0: It's kind of intrinsic to the team now that before we go build something, we really try and identify what problem it solves, what's the core kernel of it, and how much can we do manually before we even automate, just to make sure that what we've already validated in our heads or validated on paper is truly what's needed.
1: everybody welcome back to founder vision this is brett Kissler, your host today i'm speaking with ethan glass ethan is the co-founder and ceo of okra which was formerly park place is that right ethan that is correct so tell me a little bit more about what you guys are doing
0: yeah so at okra we help parking facilities dynamically manage their rates and inventory across all of their different sales channels in short parking has a big problem where it's so fragmented across all these different technologies, and what we are here to do, and what we help with, is ensuring parking operators have one central location to standardize data and centralize all their operations.
1: Oh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty monumental task, given how fragmented that industry must be to begin with. Starting from, I mean, I don't know how many how many parking spots are still on meters, how many, uh, how many garages and you know parking lots are still just operating from like paper-based tickets handed to you by somebody. And any of them that have tried to update and digitize over over the past years have probably started with a hodgepodge of their own home brewed kind of system. What tell me a little bit about how this is coming together as an industry right
0: now. (laughs) Yeah. So the market landscape of parking is pretty comparable to the shift that The restaurant industry went through a few years back, the same shift that hospitality went through, where you have all these kind of antiquated technologies just to simply do something to sell a parking spot that you think is just, hey, someone drives up, they pay for parking, it's all good. But there's actually so much more that goes into it. And there are dozens of different hardware technologies that help usher in um, drivers to the garage as well as ensure they have a good parking experience, ensure they get paid correctly, have all the surveillance centralized. Then now also you have this big rise in over the last around 10 years of contactless payments that really came into fruition during COVID-19, where drivers now, the same way that they can pay for an airline ticket um, through a website, they want to pay for a parking space through a website or a mobile app. And so all of that's come into kind of the landscape over the last 10 years and really ramped up over the last year. And what the problem with associated with all this happening is that now you have a parking operator who runs a facility that has to manage 10, 12 different technologies, all uh-huh. from different types of dashboards, on different devices, and none of them use the same naming conventions. And so you have this kind of paradigm shift in the industry where now the parking operators are having difficulties managing all these technologies. We were one of them. We used to be a parking operator before we um, built up this technology. And what we are here to help with and what Acura does as a platform is takes all of that, combines into one single location where a parking operator can log in on any device and say, hey, I want to change my price from $10 to $12. It's as simple as that, they push enter and it pushes out to all their systems. Rather than them going to log into everything, calling their account reps, emailing whoever they have to email just to get the same thing done. So it saves them a ton of time it's operational efficiency and allows them to take advantage of more sales channels with the type of experience that they would otherwise get by just using one.
1: Fascinating. So so you, you came you came to this from being a parking operator yourself and then getting yes. into building the tech, you started to build sort of the tech for yourself. And then now, of course, it just makes sense to build tech that generalizes to, you know, other other providers like yourself. And I, I want to sidetrack for a moment to apologize for calling it Okra at the beginning. I recognize it's Okra now. Uh,
0: You're all good. It's a uh, common, uh, common pronunciation. So yeah. well, it's no worries. Either one works.
1: All right. Well, well, Accra. So so I'm curious about this this journey that you have from sort of one one type of business into building a tech company and building a tech stack. How, how have you been experiencing that? And have you have you done tech before?
0: So when we first came into the market for parking, we came in trying to build some tech to automate the process around the L.A. Coliseum. And it was mostly focused on event parking. And if you've ever been to LA Coliseum, you have mm-hmm. all these homeowners with cardboard signs that are just choosing rates based off of looking at their neighbor and saying, hey, what are you doing? So we tried building tech for that. But that was a learning opportunity where the way to actually solve that problem was not to go build technology. What actually the way to solve the problem was is to go help them sell their parking in a More efficient way, and so we actually stepped in as parking operators and started leasing out not only the homes but also the commercial parking lots nearby the LA Coliseum, and bringing our own parking attendants, bringing in all these point of sale uh, readers to take this from cash to actual credit cards, which was a huge um, markup for all the consumers who were so used to having to dish out sixty to one hundred dollars in cash that mm-hmm. they weren't planning on. Now they just put on the credit cards they're much happier, much quicker for everyone as well and limits slippage of cash because as we know sometimes cash gets misplaced and our industry has billions of dollars in slippage per year. But when we were doing this parking operating that's when we realized how much of a struggle it is to manage all these other technologies that you need to not only increase your revenue but decrease your operating costs. And so that big pivot when we went from technology first to more of a manual process, then we learned, hey, let's build some automations to take this manual process and make it better. And that was our first kind of experience there when we actually made our full pivot into B2B SaaS and left our parking operations behind at the start of the pandemic. Um, That was a whole nother story, but I can get into Mm that um, if you want in in a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, well well so one of the things that I'm interested in here is that it, it wasn't even just that you were operating operating a you know parking lot or a garage or a, several of these you were actually doing something far more like distributed a little bit more Airbnb like in a way where it was just individual homeowners with extra space in their driveways and so that's an also a very interesting coordination problem
0: yeah thank like, you yeah, it was uh, an experience of its own. We learned that economies of scale were just too difficult um, with that type of model very mm-hmm. early on. And you the economics of trying to go market and sell to a consumer for a $10 parking space that then you have to give 80% of that revenue to the actual uh, homeowner or property owner. And on top of that, you also have to employ individuals to work there. I mean, you're looking at very, very small margins. Yeah. And so that's why we really had to automate our processes. um, Yeah, a lot to get overhead. Exactly. And we actually left parking operations behind when we built this new company and this new model um, that is now called Acura because we didn't want to compete with our customers. Since we sell only B2B now and -hmm. we're selling to other parking operators, um, we didn't want to have a conflict of interest where if we're getting all their data and we're working directly with them to help solve their problems. We don't want to be an impediment upon their contracts with the actual asset owners that they're working with.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's, what's the biggest headwind that you're experiencing right now, a big, the biggest challenge in, mm-hmm. in consolidating the tech for all these different players with all these different legacy systems?
0: Yeah, that's a terrific question. So <laughs> pretty much parking has practically zero open APIs. And so of course that makes building integrations very difficult. So fortunately we have an all-star team um, of software engineers. I'm not personally an engineer, but um, like our CTO has multiple exits. He's been building, I think this is his seventh company in the last 18 years. Um, he sold his first one when he was 14 to a car manufacturer. So he's been able to lead our team uh, to make some really good achievements and still finding ways to integrate with these companies through custom API integrations or bots and scrapers and all this other kind of uh, um, hacking solutions to get it to work. And then we partner with these companies as well to not only have Band-Aid solutions, but to also have uh, a few uh, a future um, true solution that will be more scalable, more dependable, and more robust. So we're at, we've been able to figure out a way to make it all happen where the integrity of our customers' data is rock solid, where anything they want to do works very well. And uh, it's all been kind of a mixed match of a way to accomplish this, which also has increased our defensibility because the cost for someone else to come do the exact same thing, they have to go through all Mm -hmm. the learnings that we went through over the last year and a half.
1: Yeah, and all that retooling, yeah, they don't, they don't get to just build one thing that connects to all the APIs like yours does and do something just 10% better.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. it's uh, So it's a blessing in disguise. At first, we were a little bit frustrated, of course, because it would have been easier to just connect to the APIs. But um, then we took it as saying, okay, this is actually a big opportunity for us and something that we can do that no one else to our knowledge has figured out in the industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so... So I can see how how having having strong tech, a strong TTO, and a good uh, development team allows you to kind of go out into this open landscape and connect to a bunch of a bunch of different systems that don't have their own APIs that don't that don't make it essentially easy for you. And then, how about scaling this when you scale it to something nationwide and you just start to run into ten times the number of you know ad hoc like bespoke systems that you have to integrate with, how are you How are you preparing for that exponential rise in integration complexity?
0: Great question too. So it already is very scalable. Um, we made sure that as we're building this out, as we're validating it, before we take on more customers to ensure that we test it and simulate. So we already know that for our target for the next year and a half, we'll have no problem scaling. Past then, if we want to become even more ambitious, which we definitely will be, then over the next year and a half, that's why we'll be creating these long-term solutions. Um, Mm -hmm. And we actually just brought someone on who's going to specialize in that for our company. He's been in the industry for about 14 years at one of the leading parking operators called Tom Park. And he's been working on building integrations for a long time um, from the customer standpoint. And now he's going to be able to achieve the same thing with us Um, with our resources and our engineering team. So we're very excited. And um, we know that it's already scalable enough that we don't have Mm -hmm. to have any concerns um, in the short term, but we're always looking to make the best long-term product and add Mm -hmm. the most value, of course, for the customers. So we do have kind of the short-term and long-term already mapped out.
1: Yeah, it it sounds to me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like the sort of the the short-term is when when you're a small company and you barely exist, your, your your, scaling is by going out to other companies and integrating with, with their systems in, in the sort of an outreach method. And then over time, as you start to develop your place in the industry, you start to develop your own APIs and then others come to you and connect to your API. And then you, you, you move from connecting to them to facilitating them connecting to you. And then you, you become sort of the standard, uh, sort of the, the standard data structure and the standard uh you know the api uh in in the industry is that is that something that you guys are is that accurate for how you're approaching this
0: very well said yes we aim to be the standard of of parking data we aim to be the standard of parking rates and those structures um as well as inventory mm-hmm. and so all of that right now as a company we solve problems for parking operators and build technology to make the process better But in order to do that long term, um, we also want to do that with those other parking technology companies who are already our partners and give them the right to our APIs and make sure that it's all in the best interest of not just the parking operators, but it actually trickles down even to the consumers. Because the Mm -hmm. more streamlined that we can make the supply chain of parking, then the better it's going to be as a user experience when the driver just wants to go to a parking garage, pay for parking, and ensure their car is safe.
1: So you had mentioned earlier, there was a moment that you were interested in double clicking on, which was, uh, you know, you were running these parking for live events at the LA Coliseum and then COVID hit. And, you know, everyone's probably getting bored by this point of talking about how COVID impacted their business. Um, But I'm curious to see maybe if there's like a, a, a different slant that you guys have experienced because you were you know, you were doing parking. So parking never went away. People still needed to go places and park, but maybe they weren't going to places like the LA Coliseum for a while. And so I'm, I am curious to hear how your how your COVID transition occurred and what, what some of the hard lessons were for you and how, how quick you were able to pivot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're at the moment still where every conversation will still have COVID in it. So it's right. all good. <laughs> and it is a big part of our journey too. So, yeah, event parking was decimated by COVID. There, it went from having thousands and thousands of transactions per day to having next to zero as there were no spectators and no events going on uh, for a bit. At that moment, as a company, I mean, no one could predict the future. Um, what we did anticipate was that we had to find a way to pivot and we had to find a way to keep going forward, um, trying not to be reliant on a global pandemic and bring uh, customers back to park. So, what we actually did at that point was we pretty much used our learnings from the industry and also our kind of agileness of a team, and went on LinkedIn and used a scraper to reach out to about three thousand parking professionals. Mm-hmm. And we talked to everyone from like valets to CEOs in between. Um, and would interview them about, hey, what problems do you have pre-COVID? What problems do you have now? And what are some of the tech initiatives that you have in whenever this post-COVID world happens? <laughs> and one ubiquitous uh, kind of item kept coming up, which was, you know, it's so hard to manage all of these different sales channels. And we said, oh, well, you know, when we were operators, we did X, Y, and Z. Could you just do the same? And they go, or well, parking operators, we don't necessarily have the resources and personnel to build this kind of technology. But if you have it, and you license it to us, we need that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually what led us towards that pivot was, we realized like, oh, we can start selling this product before we even build it out as a SaaS product. And it's in such high demand, it's very ubiquitous across the industry that this is an issue. Maybe there's a big opportunity where we don't have to sell to consumers anymore. We don't have to be a parking operator. Instead, we can go sell to the parking operators and really focus on solving this one core problem. And so, fast forward to now, that's it was very successful. Um, actually, that's where the name for Acura came from. Was the main problem we were trying to solve at first was a one-click rate adjustment.
1: Ah, oh, Yeah,
0: Exactly, and uh, it was just changing rates with one click and we kept writing one click rate out. And then one of our team members said, can I just abbreviate this to Accra?" We said, oh yeah, that sounds great. So that was the name of our product for, I mean, up until now. And even though we were under the name Park Place, but when we were going through this rebrand process, we wanted to stay, stay to something that was kind of central to who we were in our DNA, which was building tech to solve problems and building tech to automate, um, processes rather than just building tech because it looks cool. And we knew that this was a core problem that was kind of the kernel of our pivot. And it's blossomed into something that's much larger um, today as a full product. But Opera is kind of true to who we are. um, And it's a testament to kind of homage to how much the industry helped us through that transition and really Mm -hmm. welcomed us um, from being young a small parking operator to now being one of the leading parking technology companies in just a span of a year and a half and working with some outstanding individuals um, and companies to to get there. So we're very fortunate. And Accra also it works out well because it's kind of a made up name. So we, we can rank pretty highly and um, yeah. it's very um, memorable for, for customers.
1: Yeah. Though I got to say Park Place is great too, given uh, its role in Monopoly uh, as, as long as your customers are the ones on the, you know, supply side of that transaction.
0: Yes. So <laughs> we, uh, exactly. We actually, we love the name park place. Um, one of our potentially future great partners in the industry also has the name park place as so that was actually mm. part of why we, we changed the name was, um, we started talking and, and working together saying we don't want to create any confusion, um, mm. Like their Park Place is actual a parking operator, we no longer are. Um, let's join forces and see what we can do. And so um, we ended up changing our name to Accra, and um, and yeah. So luckily, someone still has the name Park Place. So we uh, yeah. we feel good about that, and and they're a great company that uh, we're hoping to do some really great, really great work with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I, I thought was really interesting and that I really appreciate about what you described about this story. Uh, of your, your COVID pivot is that, you know, you, you were developing systems for yourself because you just needed them and it just made sense. But then what you did was you went out and talked to people and then found that, you know, you, you validated your idea. And then you started building it to mm-hmm. uh, building it for deployment with them. And a mistake that I just see made often is that somebody's building an internal tool for themselves, it's working for them, and then they assume it'll work for others. So then they just start expanding and building and engineering uh, their own tool and eating their own dog food uh, without necessarily having any direct connection with customers. And often they wait until they think it's ready. Uh, and I, I see that you did just the inverse of that, and I think that that's one of the that that seems to be one of the core reasons for your success is that you just you just went out there and you were in immediate connection with your market and finding finding what it was about your product that they actually needed and wanted and just directly started zoning in on that
0: yeah that's very well said we there's actually an article by gg levy weiss um, with network effects about pretty much going and trying to sell a product before you have it ready. And it's like very much like pre-product market fit. Mm-hmm. We completely subscribed to that type mentality. Um, we were at a time where our burn rate was super low and it had to be because we wanted to continue growing or sustaining as a company through a pivot. And um, at a time where fundraising was not the easiest, of course,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, we, we didn't want to pretend like we knew um, exactly what the solution was. We, I come from a user experience background too, and um, a lot of our team is very keen on UX principles. We knew that the customer had to be involved deeply in the process, and not just one customer, but multiple. And so we were fortunate to have a lot of parking operators guiding us through what they needed, and not just what they wanted, because obviously, if you talk to five people, you get 10 opinions on what should happen. But um, we really want to understand like what problems are at their core. What can we build that not just affects event parking, but also commercial transient parking for like downtown, but also airport parking? And is it possible to create like, a one-size-fits-all? Does it have to be sidled out? What needs to happen? And what truly solves our problems? And when we knew that that was a large enough market to go after, where it would pay for us to go build up that technology, um, we actually enlisted their help um, in pilot programs, designing what it looked like, going through flows, prototyping, building the most possible MVPs before even writing a single line of code, mm-hmm. and that's something that our CTO is really instilled in us. Um, Alex Bedore, he, he, just, it's funny because he's a software engineer by trade, but he refuses to write any code until he knows for certain. Um, that it's the right way to do it so sort of, that we have to um, build that to automate a process that could be done manually and so it's been something that's been unbelievable for us we've we've been able to stay super lean our investors mm-hmm. have loved it of course and yeah, uh, it's kind of it's kind of intrinsic to the team now um, where we have like this kind of uh aqua reflex that before we go build something we really try and identify what problem it solves what's the core kernel of it and how much can we do manually before we even automate just to make sure that um, what we've already validated in our heads or validated on paper is truly what's needed. And uh-huh. so we've, we've found some creative solutions um, to, to make that happen. And, um, yeah, our, our, I, it's all a testament to our team for, for what they've been able to accomplish, getting um, the customers to validate the problems we're solving, the solution that we're creating, and then actually coding up to uh, to automate the process. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one, one last thing I want to to go into before we, before we close is, you know, in, in any pivot, there's always sort of a moment where you have to really just let go of what the previous idea was and move into the new idea. And there's always a risk associated with that. And in your, your case, it was you got out of the parking management business and into the tech business. And we we just talked a lot about how how you had validated that idea. You'd validated that you were going to have customers and there was revenue, and also there's still like there must have been a personal level and identity level that needed to be updated for you to go from you know from being uh, from being in one business to being in another kind of business. And I'm curious how that transition was for you and was there any any resistance or limiting beliefs that held you back from believing you could be doing this, doing this tech company versus what you had been used to as a parking company?
0: Yeah, so it actually felt very natural for us in like the strangest way possible. <laughs> we were just in such an execution mindset of let's not look backwards too much, let's not keep our pride um, at the forefront of the table. Let's really figure out what we can do because we feel like we're in the precipice of something. We know we have a great team. There has to be something that we can accomplish. And the overwhelming support from the industry on top of finding out how ubiquitous um, this management problem was of the technologies, which we'd already experienced, fortunately, solving, it just felt very, very seamless were um, it's never as easy as obviously it looks. Like there are many, many difficult days um, and the team went through a lot and it got us much closer together. But yeah, it's like there, there are moments I remember where we were doing presentations as a team and saying, okay, what is a SaaS business? What is the value of a SaaS business? How can we actually take something that was already working where we were generating hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue and pivot entirely to something new where we get paid small monthly fees. And it was was just at one point it clicked. Um, I mean, I I joked around with the team. I said that I was talking to one of our other investors. who has been very successful. When When I told him about the pivot, he goes, great. Now that you're B2B SaaS, your valuation just went up. I said, oh, I should, have, I should have said that a long time ago. I just read the words B2B SaaS on our pitch deck and then all of a sudden right. have a, a more like an 80% chance of uh, raising funding. So it was, yeah, with it's losing, never with, as easy. With giving up less equity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, I should have just the whole time said that, but it's just, it's part of the process. It's part of the learning opportunities. Um, like there are unbelievable parking operators. There's unbelievable other parking technology companies we found a a small niche where we can wedge ourselves in and we were find a way to kind of scale that afterwards. And, and, I mean, it's just a testament to who who we get to work with day in and day out that people, Mm -hmm. everyone dropped salaries. Everyone like went to the bare bones of, Hey, how can we just keep bread on the table while we try and figure this out? And which is like just the typical, like, startup mentality that you have to have um, going through that kind of scenario. And it worked out really well. And we did well enough that we got into the Long Beach Accelerator, um, part of their first cohort earlier in 2021 that really propelled the company um, and accelerated it as the accelerator is supposed to do. Um, By the end of it, we had an acquisition offer on the table from a bigger parking company. We had dozens of term sheets in front of us for investment, and it was just Mm -hmm. Looking back on that now, it's kind of funny to think about how different it was from just one year's time period of going through a full pivot, trying to unlearn everything we already learned, relearn a whole new part of the industry. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, okay, we got everything, all the ducks in a row. Let's actually grow this thing and, uh, and turn down the acquisition offer. That was uh, something that's a, a story probably for another time, but very exciting.
1: Yeah, well, acquisition offers are always an interesting, always an interesting fork in the road, and, and I'm sure that we could go into a whole story on that and probably 15 other things that we've touched on. But we are at our time, and I really want to thank you, Ethan, for joining us today and really telling us all of your this this story about Acra. And I wish you all the best.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you having me, and uh, look forward to staying in touch.
1: Yeah.